You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the Fan Side of Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. The Timberwolves are in Sacramento to take on the Kings twice in 24 hours this week. We're going to talk about that on the show, but. Uh, also, plenty of other stuff to talk about. Trade deadline is this Thursday. We're going to get into that here in just a moment. Uh, first of all, though, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, plus all your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, trade deadline is Thursday. There's a lot of rumors out there surrounding the Timberwolves. Uh, The most notable one started late last week. The Timberwolves' interest in Marcus Smart has now been well-documented. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report mentioned it last week. More recently, Darren Wolfson in the Twin Cities has been talking about the Timberwolves are keeping an eye on Marcus Smart, have uh, talked actual offers with the Celtics, but the Celtics have a fairly high asking price, understandably so. I want to talk through what that rumored asking price is, why I would not pay it, and why I don't think the Timberwolves would pay it either. Uh, We're going to talk about all that here today, and then I want to get into the Wolves roster, which players are most likely to be traded on the roster, if anybody, um, and and what type of a deal could the Timberwolves get done. We'll close the show by previewing the Timberwolves-Kings games this week. Of course, one of those is Tuesday night, one is Wednesday night, um, so we'll knock it all out. We've only seen the Kings once this year, and it's been quite some time, so I want to get into that uh, to close the show. Let's start with the Marcus Smart thing. So the origins of this rumor go back to late last week. This was first mentioned by uh, Jake Fisher over at Bleacher Report um, and then backed up more recently by Darren Wolfson, of course, of KSTP and Score North in the Twin Cities. And the rumor essentially was that the Timberwolves, the rumor initially from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report was that the Timberwolves were interested in acquiring Smart as a potential replacement for Patrick Beverly in the event that Pat Bev is moved at the deadline. Now, I said on the show last week when I mentioned this this rumor that Pat, Patrick Beverly is not going anywhere. Um, he's not going to be traded. I understand that his name's out there as, hey, the Wolves are, you know, that's more other teams asking, hey, what would we need to give to get Pat Bev? That's not the Timberwolves saying what's out there for Patrick Beverly. If the Wolves, you know, flip the record, if the Wolves, instead of being three games above 500, were three games below 500, I know that that's not that big of a difference. I mean, it's a six game swing. If, if, um, I don't know if the Wolves were like ninth or 10th in the West, would they be exploring trading Patrick Beverly? Yes, they absolutely would, but they're not. They're three games above 500. They've won four in a row. They haven't lost at home since the start of the new year. Uh, The schedule gets a little bit easier grand scheme of things moving forward than it was for the first several uh, couple months of the season. Um, Things are looking up for the Timberwolves. Why rock the boat? Why trade Patrick Beverly? I understand he's an expiring contract. We've been hearing those since really since early November that the Timberwolves and Beverly have been discussing a potential contract extension. Remember, this is a guy who's what about to be 32. Um, he would love to get a couple of years of security with the team that will very likely be a playoff team the next couple of years. And Beverly's stated he likes it in Minnesota. The Timberwolves like Beverly. I mean, unless somebody's giving up multiple first round picks for an expiring contract, uh, you know, a 31 year old point guard, I don't think that's happening. Patrick Beverly's not going anywhere. So let's start there. That if that's truly the only instance the Wolves are interested in Marcus Smart, then then why would they do that? 
Now, the second piece of this is Wolfson seems to think the Wolves could still be interested in Smart, even if they don't trade Beverly. That's where things get tricky from a salary perspective. The only way you could do that is by trading Malik Beasley. And that's apparently what the Wolves have discussed with the Celtics. Now, I'll start with my issue. Well, actually, no, let's talk about the potential parameters of a deal first. So the rumor, according to Wolfson, was that the Timberwolves would want to trade Malik Beasley to get Marcus Smart, which makes sense. Uh, you know, he would immediately assume Beasley's minutes. The contracts are similar in terms of dollar amount, not in terms of length. And I'll get into that here in a minute. So the rumor is that the the Celtics are requiring either Jaden McDaniels or a first round pick attached to Malik Beasley to acquire Marcus Smart. That's a high price. Now, to be very clear, Marcus Smart is a fantastic player. He's been on an all defensive team twice in his career. He uh, has been a lockdown defender for essentially his entire career. He's improved offensively over the course of his career. Um, and there's no question he would make the Timberwolves defense a lot better. Now, the flip side of this is if you're not trading Patrick Beverly, which again, we've established that they're not doing that in like there's almost no chance they trade Patrick Beverly. Now you've acquired another defense first player who plays a similar position um, who, yes, maybe is a little bit better with the basketball in his hands than Patrick Beverly, a little more dynamic um, in terms of a passer, but not that much more. And he's a worse shooter than Patrick Beverly. So how are you going to justify giving Malik Beasley minutes, which understanding he was really bad in November and December and much of January in general, but when Malik Beasley's Malik Beasley, see the game on Sunday night that the Timberwolves or Sunday afternoon when they beat Detroit or, you know, a handful of games this year or all of his Timberwolves career up until this season, then Malik Beasley is a much better fit for the current roster as long as Beverly's on it. Smart and Beverly are redundant enough that giving up true assets, in this case, Beasley and a first or Jaden McDaniels, is a lot to give up for a guy who's redundant with what you have in Patrick Beverly. So the Wolves' first choice would no doubt be to extend Patrick Beverly. And I don't know what he's going to get in a contract extension, but again, given his age, it's not going to be a lot. It's not going to be as much as Marcus Smart is making. Marcus Smart just signed a four-year extension worth $72 million. Uh, he's getting paid uh, just under $15 million this year on his old contract. His new extension kicks in next year, $16.6 million, and it increases each year by two, two and a half million dollars, uh, about $2 million, until the 25-26 season when you'll be paying a Marcus Smart that will be, what, 31, so Patrick Beverly's age now, $21.3 million. That's a lot to pay a 31-year-old defense-first guard. Uh, Patrick Beverly is is making, what, about $14 million this year? Uh, which is a lot to pay Patrick Beverly too, but Timberwolves fans know how valuable he's been to the team this year. And he's been a valuable player throughout his NBA career. He's not going to get 14 million on his next contract, but you're going to have some, you be able to kind of pencil him in as, all right, we've got a rotation guy that can play both guard spots, be defense first, be the heartbeat of the team, keep up the intensity on both ends of the floor with this team, be big in the locker room and lock him in at, I don't know, nine, 10, 11 million, which would still be kind of a lot, but something like that annually, Otherwise, you're going to pay an aging Marcus Smart, who, yeah, is just entering his prime now. I get that. But still, locked in for the next four years, $72 million over four years, is a lot to pay a guy. Um, it's not a bad contract for the Celtics, necessarily. I'm not suggesting that Smart's not worth the money, necessarily. I'm saying, would the Wolves really want to give up true assets to acquire somebody who's kind of, you know, at the contract's iffy, in my opinion? Um, and you've got Patrick Beverly, who you really like. And if you're not trading Beverly then why would you do that? 
the only way it makes sense is if you're going to get a first round pick for Beverly, you're going to trade out Beasley and a first round pick for Smart. So you're essentially just swapping Beasley for Beasley and Beverly for Smart and you're hanging on to Jaden McDaniels, you could make that argument. Again, that's a trade I make if the Wolves are maybe three games under 500, not three games over 500. Why rock the boat? If you can extend Beverly at a reasonable contract, you can hang on to McDaniels, you can hang on to your picks. Why would you pay for the privilege to possibly overpay Marcus Smart on the back half of his current contract? Again, to be clear, Marcus Smart is fantastic, and the Wolves would be better if he was on the team. But does that make sense right now with how well the Wolves are playing and Beasley's contract not looking bad if he actually plays better with some consistency moving forward. Why why would the Wolves want to give up assets for the right to potentially overpay Marcus Smart? So I don't think that trade should happen. I don't think it will happen. I don't think the Wolves are excited to trade Jaden McDaniels and Malik Beasley for Marcus Smart. I don't think there's hardly any chance they trade uh, Patrick Beverly, period. So unless the Celtics decide, okay, we'll do it for Beasley straight up, um, you know, and, and uh, I think maybe there need to be uh, actually the, the money might work without another asset, but basically Beasley straight up or Beasley and one of the second runners, the Wolves have three second runners this year. Maybe the Timberwolves do that. Again, it's a little bit of a, of rock the boat move uh, when you may not need it, but Marcus Smart is a better player than Malik Beasley. I just think that if you're hanging on to Beverly, it makes more sense to have Beasley on your roster than Marcus Smart, who again, duplicates a lot of what Beverly does. Okay. Um, so, I guess this boils down to, I don't think it happens. I don't think it should happen. I think it's just much ado about nothing um, unless something crazy happens in the next two days, basically. However, we still have to talk about the deadline as a whole, the Timberwolves roster, who on the roster is most likely to be moved. If anybody's moved Thursday, what is the most likely type of move that the Timberwolves could make? Let's break that all down next before we get to Wolves-Kings. First, though, let's talk about our friends at TurboTax. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives, whether you invest, invested in crypto for the first time this year, own an up-and-coming small business, or are raising rambunctious twins. Luckily, TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your unique situation, and you can talk to a TurboTax Live expert through your phone or computer without leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need, and if you need an extra hand, hand your taxes off to them. They'll do it all for you. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. All right. Thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen. Genuinely appreciated. Uh, uh, seriously, uh, greatly appreciated. If you do listen, if you're subscribed to the podcast, please like it uh, on YouTube, follow it, subscribe to it, whatever channel you like to listen to it on. A reminder that the trade deadline, of course, as I've been talking about, is this coming Thursday, the 10th at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Lockdown NBA podcast will cover it live from 1 to 3 p.m. Central. That's 2 to 4 Eastern. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. All right, let's talk Timberwolves roster and uh, who I think would be most likely to be traded. I think the best way to look at this is to take guys off the table who are simply not getting traded. There's zero chance Carl Anthony Towns is being traded. Zero chance. Absolutely zero. Uh, don't pay attention to any of the uh, 
I'm not going to call it any specific sites. Any of the sites out there that are putting these, you know, Gar- or not Garnett, Carl Anthony Towns to the Warriors for four bench players type trades. That's not happening. Uh, Anthony Edwards, also not happening. Neither one of those, I mean, there's no chance. There's no wor- There's no reason to talk about it. Um, I would say D'Angelo Russell is highly unlikely to be traded. Highly, highly unlikely. Unless the Sixers take him as part of what would ultimately be probably an underwhelming return for Ben Simmons. I don't think he's getting traded. I don't think he gets moved in like a, a Miles Turner trade. I think a John Collins trade would be really tough to pull off, and I don't think that would happen. Um, so don't pay attention to trade uh, possibilities with D'Angelo Russell unless it's something that somehow realistically could get the Sixers what they want and land Ben Simmons in Minnesota. I think it's really unlikely. I would put Towns and and Edwards as zero chance and Russell only slightly above that because he could be had in the right deal for a massive star. But again, talking about a guy that was you know, you could make an argument he's been a top 30 player this year. I mean, he's close to a borderline all-star this season. Um, other guys that are not getting traded, Jared Vanderbilt, same thing, weirdly enough. I'd put him in the same category as D'Angelo Russell uh, in that the only way he's getting moved is if he's like, for some reason, the sticking point in a massive trade for like a Ben Simmons. He's such a great value in his contract. It just would make no sense. And I would actually put in a similar category, the likes of Jalen Noel, maybe even Nas Reed, because again, the value, I'm not saying Nas Reed is as good as Jared Vanderbilt or as good as D'Angelo Russell, but the value for both Reed, for uh, for, for Nas Reed, the value for um, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, and also arguably Jalen Noel, what they're able to provide for the cost of their contract is so impressive that it doesn't make any sense to trade them. You're not going to improve while taking on more money. Why would you want to do that for a lateral move, essentially, to take on more money for a player who may only be marginally better? You're not going to do better than Jared Vanderbilt. It's going to be hard to find a better backup center than Nas Reed. It's going to be hard to find uh, a bench score on a better contract than Jalen Noel. Yes, there's better bench scores. Yes, there's better all-around players than Jalen Noel. But the Noel contract is such a steal, I don't think it happens. Patrick Beverly, similar situation. I don't think he's traded unless it's part of a much bigger deal. Um, So then I think we get into the guys that probably aren't going to be traded simply because why would anybody want to trade for them? Jake Lehman, Jordan McLaughlin. Also, why would the Wolves trade their third string point guard when both Beverly and Russell tend to get hurt? You know, they, they get banged up quite a bit. Why would you trade Jordan McLaughlin? I don't know. Why would anybody want to trade for Jake Lehman as anything more than a salary match or a throw in? I don't know. Those guys probably aren't going anywhere unless it's part of a bigger deal. Uh, same with Leandro Balmaro. I don't think anybody's seeking him out unless somebody that really liked him in the draft process last year says, oh, I wonder if we can get him for a couple second rounders. I don't think the Wolves would do that because why would they? Um, I think he could have a rotation spot next year. I mean, Josh Akogi's on an expiring contract, obviously Torian Prince, Jake Lehman. There's gonna be roster spots next year. I don't think Balmaro is traded unless again, he's the sticking point in a much larger deal for a big name. So that leaves us with just a, a couple of names. Uh, Torian Prince would be one. Now, he's played so well lately. Obviously, he sprained his ankle on on Sunday afternoon. Uh, but he had, what, averaged like 18 points over the last uh, four games, I believe, and scored 20-plus the two games prior to the, to the win over the Pistons on Sunday. I, I don't think it's likely that Torian Prince is going to be traded. I think he fits this team really well. He seems to be a great teammate. Uh, it, it's unlikely that he is um, he's traded, again, unless it's as part of a bigger deal. I would have said maybe three weeks ago, and this is this is why teams wait uh, until as close as they can to the deadline. Obviously, deadlines are what makes deals happen in life in general. Um, 
But if the Timberwolves a month ago had tried to trade Torian Prince, they maybe could have gotten a second round pick and obviously salary filler to get him to land him. Now, I don't know that they would trade him for that. Uh, why would they? Um, he's a big part of this rotation when he's healthy. There's no sense in trading Torian Prince unless you have to. Or unless it really makes sense, I should say, unless you have to, to make a bigger deal happen. And that kind of leaves us with Jaden McDaniels. Um, and oh, and Jaden McDaniels and Josh Kogi. So I'll talk about McDaniels first. I would put McDaniels in a very similar category to uh, to Vanderbilt and the Vanderbilt, Noel, Reed category, but obviously with greater value, but a similar conversation. The value of his contract because of his age, he's 20. The fact that he's already a plus defender at the NBA level and the toolsiness, to borrow a baseball term, that he shows on offense um, is tantalizing. I mean, if he truly becomes a two-way player with the size that he's got, he's what, 6'10", 6'11", at this point with crazy length, athleticism, uh, a developing jumper, he's got some handles, he's figuring out the court vision thing, uh, the feel is still a little bit not quite there, but it's getting there. Um, I mean, why would the Wolves trade him unless it, again, is part a sticking point to land, say, Ben Simmons? But I don't think he even gets moved in a Miles Turner deal. Um, you know, a month ago, I was advocating for that. I was saying, hey, if you can trade a pick, Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels for Miles Turner, I think you got to look at that. It's a year and a half of Miles Turner. He's really good. Well, if Jaden McDaniels is, um, I mean, he's obviously a different player, but essentially, um, if they made that trade, Miles Turner would move into the rotation, McDaniels would move out of the rotation, and you'd see more Towns and Turner playing together. Uh, so he would essentially take those McDaniels minutes. McDaniels is what? 65% of the player that Miles Turner is sitting here right now. And you've got a, on a much more affordable deal, two years left instead of one after this one on, on McDaniels rookie deal. Uh, arguably a more versatile defender in terms of a wing defender. The Wolves need wing defenders. I, I just don't know that that would make a lot of sense. I don't know that it genuinely makes the team better. And again, the long-term upside is still so great. Even if you don't need him to do more than score eight or nine a game and knock down open threes and play lockdown defense right now, in two years, the Wolves may need him to be that second or third star on the team. We don't know. Um, so I, I don't think it's likely McDaniels is traded. I, I wouldn't call him untouchable because again, he could be had for the right price unlike Towns and Edwards. But he's somewhere in between that D'Angelo Russell category and, and the the Jared Vanderbilt category where like somebody's really got to come and make a godfather offer for this guy or he's got to be the piece that lands you a Ben Simmons. Doesn't make sense to trade him. So in conclusion, I think Josh Okogi is the guy. I mean, if you're going to say the per, the player on the roster most likely to be traded has to be Josh Okogi. Um, he is... Uh, a valuable defender. We've already talked about how the Utah Jazz are rumored to be interested in him, done some due diligence. They were interested in Robert Covington before he was dealt to the Clippers over the weekend. They've been interested in Harrison Barnes. There's a couple other wing defenders they've they've reportedly been interested in. Um, Akogi's the longest tenured wolf next to Carl Anthony Towns. He's on an expiring deal. It's the fourth year in the league. He's only making a little over $4 million. So he's affordable as a late first round pick. He's an expiring contract. He's a plus defender but he's also limited. If a team decides to offer a first-round pick for Josh Kogi, I don't think they will. But if they do, he's gone. I mean, the, the Timberwolves would trade him in a heartbeat. Sitting here right now, I know he's hurt, but they played 11 guys on Sunday. Josh Kogi's the 12th guy in that rotation. Now, Torian Prince is banged up. We know that this team's had a lot of injuries. Depth is important, all that stuff, which is why I don't think they just give him away. But if somebody offers a first-round pick and, and a serviceable player or another expiring contract back or, or something, I, 
I think you do it. I think you trade Josh Okogie. Um, you know, there, there could be teams who just want a 10th guy who can come in and use some fouls and be active and aggressive and, and guard a, a strong wing player on, on the opposing team um, in, in a playoff setting or down the stretch in the season to spell some of their frontline guys. I think there's a real chance that Okogie gets traded, but I also don't think they give him away uh, because for the same reasons I listed. The Wolves need their own depth on the wing. Uh, but I think he's the name to watch. If anybody's traded, I put Okogi as by far the most likely player to be traded, um, followed by, if it's not an Okogi trade, I think it would have to be a major trade that would involve Malik Beasley in multiple picks. It would be like a Marcus Smart type deal, which again, I don't think is likely to happen, but that would be the next most likely scenario. So I guess in conclusion of the entire trade conversation, I think it's highly unlikely the Wolves do anything. If they do something, it'll be a Josh Okogi style move, type move. Um, but don't get your hopes up for something massive. And I think Timberwolves fans as a whole, if I if I could speak for the entire fan base, we're okay with that. Timberwolves fans are okay with that because of the cohesion this team's shown. And I know that recency bias is a really dangerous thing with the four straight wins over not the greatest competition, save for the Denver win, which is really nice. Uh, but a couple wins over the Pistons, some shorthanded teams that they beat. You know, it, it, it can be dangerous, but also look at as a whole, you're talking about a team that's three games above 500, only a game out of the sixth spot in the West. The schedule's going to get easier. The team's going to get healthier. Uh, why rock the boat? Why rock the boat? I just think it's unlikely that uh, Sasha Gupta feels any different when we get to Thursday afternoon. Okay, uh, let's close the show by previewing Wolves-Kings, talking about what happened the last time these teams faced off and what to expect out of the Kings here on uh, on Tuesday night in Sacramento. First, though, Let's talk about the title sponsors of today's show. That, of course, is Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues the march through the playoffs, including the big game this coming weekend, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And of course, it's not just football. BetOnline has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, plus live, real time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available throughout 2022. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's talk Wolves-Kings. So Turbos haven't seen the Kings for quite some time. This was a 10-point win uh, at Target Center way back in like early November. Um, and it was a game that the Wolves actually trailed at halftime. They had to use a, a big second half uh, to, to win that one. Um, Anthony Edwards was really good. Carl Anthony Towns was solid in that game. Uh, looking back, uh, what? let's see here. So Ant had 26 on 24 shots. Cat had 22, 6-4 and four on only 12 shots in this game. Um, D'Angelo Russell had 17 and seven. Pat Bev started, had 14 points. This was the start of uh, what I like to call, or I should say borrowed from John Schumann at NBA.com, the greatest lineup ever, the the current preferred starting lineup. This is right when they started to use that lineup um, in, in early November. And that was kind of it. It was another kind of pedestrian Malik Beasley game. Not a whole lot out of anyone else from the bench. This was all about the big three, Towns, Edwards, and Russell in this game. And it ended up being a 10-point Minnesota win. They did struggle with De'Aaron Fox uh, with his speed and ability. He had 28 points on 20 shots in this game. And uh, that was kind of the biggest issue for the Wolves. Also, Buddy Heald always seems to hurt the Timberwolves. Um, and uh, he's another name that to look out for getting traded this Thursday for sure from the Kings. Um and uh, the Wolves were able to pull away late in this one. The Kings look a little different now, of course. They have a new coach uh, after firing Luke Walton since, uh, you know, obviously Walton was coaching early in the season. 
So things are certainly not the same between these two teams, but this is another game that the Timberwolves should win. As for what the Kings have been up to lately, uh, I mean, it's just kind of been what you would expect out of the Kings. They recently had a seven-game losing streak. They did beat the Nets, but who hasn't? The Nets have lost, what, seven in a row now? Uh, They lost to the Warriors after that and then beat the Thunder most recently by 10 uh, here over the weekend. So, um, I mean... You're looking at at a, a team that's now 20 and 35, is the third worst team in the Western Conference, has been disappointing. Although I will say before the season, and at some point I'm going to go back and look at all these predictions that I made, I I will take some credit that I scoffed at the idea that so many people were putting the Kings ahead of the Timberwolves in the West. I thought that was absolutely absurd. Uh, the Kings are not good. They were never going to be good. In no world were the Kings going to be good. The Timberwolves were going to be decent as long as they didn't have the same injury issues, knock on wood, that have plagued them the last forever years. Um, and sure enough, the Timberwolves are pretty good and the Kings are not, um, which is exactly what I thought would happen when the season started. And the Kings have been, you know, relatively healthy, all things considered, uh, as much as any team could be almost two thirds of the way through the season. So, uh, in terms of how they play, the Kings still play fast. They're still a very bad defensive team. They can be good offensively, um, because they play fast and because they're, you know, they're, um, I mean, they get to the free throw line a fair amount. Their free throw rate is actually top 10 in the league, although they're bottom 10 in terms of free throw percentage once they get to the line. Surprisingly, though, they're only 10th in, uh, or I should say 20th, they're 10th from the bottom in three-point attempts per game and 21st in three-point attempt rate, um, despite having Buddy Heald launching nine per game. But again, he comes off the bench for them. Um, and, and so besides him, you're, I mean, Harrison Barnes has been really good this season. Darren Fox has been solid. Um, but there's not much else to write home about with this team. Uh, Davion Mitchell yeah, has had a nice year. Tyrese Halliburton, of course, I, I loved him in the pre-draft process last year and, and thought if the Wolves didn't land at number one, Halliburton would be a really good target somewhere in the top five uh, or top 10, certainly uh, for the Wolves. But those are kind of the guys you got to look out for. Uh, Darren Fox is somebody I mentioned before the Wolves struggle with the last time the Wolves played the Kings. Um, you know, you put Patrick Beverly on him. And that's probably what the Wolves will do. You you keep Jaden McDaniels nearby, although I think he'll probably be locking up Tyrese Halberton uh, in this game. And then when Buddy Heald's in the game as well. Um, and then Harrison Barnes obviously is, is difficult. I think Jared Vanderbilt probably ends up with that assignment. And as long as, uh, as long as Carlton Towns can stay out of foul trouble, and I feel like I say this previewing every single game, the Wolves should be fine in this one. Um, the Kings aren't going to be able to slow down the Wolves offense the way it's been playing lately. It's the Timberwolves offense is still the best offensive has the best offensive rating of any team going back to early January. So, and well, the defense has been, uh, you know, not good of late. It really hasn't been. If the Wolves get into track meet with the Kings, they should be able to win. However, the dangerous thing is that you've got guys like Buddy Heal that can get hot and guys like Darren Fox that can just get to the free throw line all of a sudden a bunch. Um, and then that could put the Wolves in a tough spot. Remember, the Wolves remain the league's worst team when it comes to opponent free throw rate. Uh, They have not been able to stop fouling opponents. They're dead last in the league by far. They're still 30th in personal fouls per game. Um, And while they've improved getting themselves to the free throw line more, they can't stop fouling. The likes of Darren Fox and and company could make life difficult for Minnesota, could make this more of a, of an ugly win, like, like the Pistons win on Sunday. Um, And, and I think that's a real possibility, at least in one of these two games, it's always hard to beat a team twice in a row, especially two consecutive games on their home floor. So, I guess the last thing I'd leave you with is it wouldn't shock me if the Timberwolves lost one of these two games on Tuesday or Wednesday. And as long as it's not, you know, a blowout loss, as long as they win the other one, as long as they don't lose two, it's going to be hard for me to come out of these games in Sacramento, 
you know, feeling like the sky is falling, I think. Um, so all that to say, wouldn't shock me if they lose a game. I should also point out the Timberwolves injury report is suddenly a little bit longer, but everybody's questionable, uh, save for McKinley Wright, who injured his wrist in the G League and uh, wouldn't have been playing anyway with the Wolf, with the Timberwolves. Uh, but Patrick Beverly's still in the injury report with the ankle sprain, but he's played in the last couple games. Josh Akogi has missed the last few games. He's still on the injury report as questionable with the quad contusion. Torian Prince, who sprained his ankle in the first half and didn't return on Sunday, is also questionable with the ankle. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has played on Sunday, but he's questionable with the shin contusion. Maybe he sits out. I'm just speculating. Maybe he sits out Tuesday or Wednesday uh, just to be cautious with it. And then Nas Reed, who went down late in that game like a ton of bricks, and it looked bad initially. He's questionable with a knee contusion. So it appears as though there was no structural damage, but clearly his knee didn't bend the right direction there. So uh, five guys listed as questionable for this game, at least four of whom would be in the rotation if they were able to play. So uh, we'll see what the lineup looks like on Tuesday night. Of course, we'll do the post-game pod immediately following the game. Uh, that'll post here, and uh, that will be Wednesday's show. We'll do the same thing Wednesday night. And then obviously, if there's any trade rumors, we'll also cover that on the show uh, along with the post-game pod over the next couple of days. Anything major, I'll cover it on the show. We'll do a quick video as well for uh, for YouTube and for social media if anything does happen. So be sure you're following and subscribe to the show. Thank you again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, we're available everywhere, including YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. And while you're making Lockdown Wolves your first listen, go ahead and make Lockdown Bets your second listen. Lockdown Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.